3: 3-2. Schwindel hits one in the air. Deep left field. This is long gone. The Cubs are on the board. Frank Schwindel tying the game up with a solo home run to the left.
2: Frank Schwindel, a newcomer to the Cubs, uh, picked up off waivers in July from the Oakland days. He's been a bit of a nice surprise for this team this season in a season that doesn't have a whole lot of highlights. Patrick Wisdom, we talked about him. He's been really good this year and a rookie of the year candidate right now. Not sure he's going to win, but he's going to get the consideration. He's hit 20 home runs in 76 games. So, uh, really struck out a lot, but I don't know if rookie of the year voters care much about the strikeout rate, (laughs) strikeout totals. That's probably not the thing they're looking at. They're going to look more at the other rate stats or the counting stats, and it's probably Jonathan India who will win. I think right now is the favorite, I think, could be Trevor Rogers, but uh, we know wisdom is in the conversation, which is a really cool thing. For a, a season that doesn't have a lot to be excited about or happy about, at least there's that. I'm Chris Ranji. I am in for Matt Spiegel today. i got going to hear from Schwindel, who was on Inside the Clubhouse yesterday with Bruce and David. Uh, before we do that, though, in having the conversation about the White Sox and their record against teams that have been good this season no matter what I say everybody still says well it does make a difference it does matter and a texter just a little bit ago said well how many good teams or how many teams with bad records have ended up winning the World Series in a given year I I mean I don't know because I haven't gone through all of them but I could just tell you that going back a few years the Washington Nationals were an even 500, which is not impressive. It's not anything special against teams that are at or above 500. They won a World Series. A couple of years prior to that, the Houston Astros only played 33 games all year against teams that finished the season at or above 500. 33 games, and they were 18 and 15. That was the Astros who won the whole thing. And I know they cheated, whatever. But they won 101 games that year, and they were only barely above 500 against teams that were good. So, and that's even with the cheating, which I don't know if it happened regular season and postseason. I think it did. Um, It did. It totally did. But allegedly, it's all alleged. It doesn't matter. I mean that's that's not th- those are not impressive records. Like like really, what is the effective difference of a team that finishes 3 games under 500 or 3 games above? Like they're kind of equal in a way. I mean, yeah, there's the, the games, but are, are, is one team dramatically better than the other? Like really think about this. Is is any team like dramatically better than the other team? If they were three games over 500 as opposed to being three games under, that I mean, those are a few breaks or bounces going your way or not throughout the course of the regular season. I just would not argue there's a massive difference or that it's an indication of anything in particular. I don't know what the Sox are going to do in the playoffs. I don't know if they're going to run the table. I don't know if they're going to get swept in the division series. But what I do know is... How they played in the regular series against good teams doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. That's, that's not the thing that matters. The, thing, the things that do matter, stuff we've talked about already. Health, getting the rotation set the way you want to, and that's it. That's really it. Those two things. That's how you're set up better. To say uh, we were 15 games above 500 against teams that were good this year, that doesn't set you up for the postseason. It's a thing that's already happened. It's not an indication of what's to come. It doesn't help you for the playoffs. Because everybody hits the reset. Everybody's back to zero when the playoffs start. None of that matters. Just be healthy, line up your rotation, and go from there. And hopefully everything does work out for you. So, back to Schwindel, who's been a nice surprise for this Cubs team in a season that just doesn't have a whole lot of nice surprises. He visited with uh, David and Bruce on Inside the Clubhouse yesterday, talking about coming over from Oakland to Chicago.
1: player in your circumstance claimed by the Cubs July 18th and starting over and and trying to make a new impression individually, You've had a terrific month, Frank. You know that. How do you balance the team's struggles with your own success?
0: Uh, You know, obviously, the team knows the situation we're in right now, obviously, being, uh, you know, losing a bunch of key players and stuff like that. So, you know, we're not really down on the losing part right now. We're just trying to, you know, play together and kind of find ourselves as a new group, but. On the other end of that, I've been having a lot of fun and you know going out there and playing as hard as I can every day and you know having some success. So I've re- I've really had no complaints.
4: Frank, take us back to 2020 because that was a big void for a lot of really good professional baseball players. And what 2020 was like for you, uh, having been used to playing uh, baseball every year for your entire life, and then ending up in some area where you weren't able to play every day. Talk a little bit about that.
0: That, that was tough, but I think we made the most of it. We were out in uh, Toledo with the Tigers alternate site. So obviously uh, some days were tougher than others, but, uh, you know, we had a great group of guys out there. It was uh, it was me and a bunch of first rounders. It seemed like, you know, like Torkelson, Riley Green, all those guys. But, uh, you know, we had a great time. We were facing a really good staff, all those young pitchers who are now in the big league. So, you know, even if it was getting one at-bat a day or two at-bats a day, um, you know, we tried to make the most of it. Uh, but it got long at some points. But, you know, like I said, it's been better than, you know, sitting on the couch and taking all that time off. And, you know, that made it that much better when things started to back up again, realized what we were missing out on.
1: So, Frank, you are drafted by the Royals in 2013. You You move your way through their system, and then you land with the A's. Uh, they release you, and then the Cubs, uh, an opportunity arrives in July. You go to Iowa, and you watch what's unfolding in Chicago, and you see Anthony Rizzo traded to the Yankees. Do you do you start to put two and two together and get forward? Do you start to get a little bit excited about the opportunity in front of you, or just take us through what your mindset was like as, as July ended and, and August and your opportunity began?
0: Yeah, it was crazy. Obviously, as a player, um, you don't want to think about that. Um, yeah, I just, I came over here with the all intentions that, you know, just hit and do what I do and see what happens. But, uh, once all the trade talks and then guys started leaving, guys started getting traded. I was like, all right, maybe I have a little shot here. And then, uh, Rizzo ended up getting traded right before a game in AAA and I was in the lineup and ended up playing anyway. I was like, all right, no big deal. And then I got taken out in the sixth inning for a double switch, and that's when I realized I was like, all right, this, this uh, might be happening. And, you know, it went up later that night. And uh, so it was, it was pretty cool. But, yeah, just a crazy situation. You don't see that often with teams, you know, uh, really, really getting rid of their main dudes. But, you know, obviously being on the other end of it uh, just gives me an opportunity to play and, you know, show what
4: I can do. So I was all for it. Frank Schwindel of the Cubs uh, joining us and Inside the Clubhouse. He's David. We're here with you 52 weeks out of the year, talking baseball on the score from nine to eleven. And uh, Frank, uh, the joy of watching you and your wife and your family in Miami last week, as we uh, we got to see you uh, uh, enjoy your time there. Um, t- tell us about what this means for you and your family uh, and and, uh, and the the opportunity you have for them and the opportunity you have to, uh, you know, to be frank about it, make, make some better money and uh, enjoy some things that you couldn't enjoy before.
0: Yeah, obviously the, the money helps. It's, it's nice, but, uh, just, just accomplishing a goal, uh, it makes it that much sweeter. You know, obviously they supported me for years, uh, both, uh, you know, on and off the field. So just being able to enjoy it with them, it just makes it that much sweeter when you finally accomplish, you know, Playing in the major leagues and having some success, and them being able to enjoy it with me—I mean, you can't really draw it up any better than that. And uh, you know, they've been—they've been with me through the start. You know, the long bus rides and uh, flying out to the middle of the country at all hours, canceling flights if you get called up or sent down. So uh, yeah, they've been through it all. So that's why every time—every time they get out to a game or a series, it's uh, extra special. Especially playing well, uh, like I said, it makes it that much better.
1: So, Frank, you've become a regular because of the way that you have hit, and obviously the success speaks for itself when you look at the numbers. You went 0 for 4 yesterday, and your average dipped on to 313. But goodness sakes, you entered, I think, hitting 365. What has gone right? What has been your approach like when you step to the plate, and why do you think you've had the early success you have?
0: Uh, When, I, when I'm when i playing well, I'm swinging at good pitches, and uh, I'm not missing the mistakes. So... I was doing a bunch of that the last couple of weeks. Uh, obviously, you know, open fours are going to happen. It's going to happen again. But, uh, you know, hopefully start another streak up today or something. But, you know, when I try and stay within myself, not try and do too much, uh, swing strikes, strike, it's, uh, it's usually a recipe for success for me because, uh, you know, I'm I'm a guy that puts the ball in play. I'll hit the ball hard. But, obviously, swinging at strikes and, and getting a pitch I'm looking for
4: helps helps with that. So like like many reporters, I'm there every day when you guys are at home and we don't have the luxury any longer of going into the clubhouse and sitting down and talking to you and getting to know you uh, one on one. These are some of the uh, luxuries we have here at the score, getting you on the the radio, thanks to the Cubs Media Relations staff. But um, tell us what that clubhouse is like right now and what the message is to each other uh a, a bunch of guys like yourself getting opportunities uh to play a lot longer uh during a season than they normally have at the major league level
0: no it's uh you know I feel like we're all pulling the same rope here we're uh you know trying to find that new dynamic but we're we're showing up we're putting our work in we're we're playing hard you know even some of the games we've been losing uh you know we'll have that late rally where you know we're stringing a bunch of hits together and just fall short or something like that, but you know the the vibes are good in the clubhouse, and uh, you know it's a great group of guys. Obviously, some more experienced than others, but you know, like I said, it's a it's a good situation to be in for a lot of in a lot of different ways. But we're just we're just going to keep grinding it out, and you know, see what happens.
2: That is Frank Schwindel of the Chicago Cubs, the first baseman on Inside the Clubhouse yesterday on. 670, the score. I'm Chris Ranji, and I'm in for Matt Spiegel today. The number to visit with us, and you can call this number, you can text this number 312 644 6767 is the way you can reach us. That is the listener line. It is also the text zone brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time, shop online at RosenHyundai.com. And I've had people, and you can follow me on Twitter, uh, at Chris Ranji. I've had people tweeting at me and also uh, texting into the show regarding what we were talking about with the records in baseball and the Sox playing against teams that are good this year that are at 500 or better, and the fact they are 20 and 23 against those good teams this year and how it means... They're not going to do well when the playoffs start. If you remember, and thank you for the reminders of this, uh, the 2015 Cubs were good against the Mets in the regular season. And what happened when the playoffs started? What happened in the NLCS? Well, you know what happened. They did not advance uh, past the NLCS that year. But against uh, the Mets, they dominated them. Didn't lose a game. They played seven. They dominated the New York Mets. And they were 8-11 and 11 against the Cardinals that year. And they beat the Cardinals. They beat the Cardinals in the division series. Regular season record doesn't matter. Being healthy matters. Having things set up the way you want, in terms of the rotation, in terms of your lineup, matters those are the things that matter so here were the Cubs the year before winning the whole thing uh, going four, going 7-0 and against the Mets and then getting swept by the Mets in the NLCS it just it doesn't matter if you want to worry about something if you're one of those people that is looking for areas of concern and it's totally fair to do that absolutely fair you know, you're a Sox fan. You want this team to do well. Or maybe you're just one of those people that doesn't want them to do well and is looking for anything to latch on to. So that's the thing you do is you latch on to them not being good against the good teams. This is a thing, though, that I think is a legitimate concern. And this is a texter from a 773. The White Sox have the worst defense of the teams that are going to be in the playoffs. Now it may not be the absolute worst, technically speaking. If we're being official about this, they're comparable to the Yankees. They they both those two teams have equal defensive runs saved metrics of uh, you know negative twenty, which isn't good. So that I think can be a legitimate concern. And and actually the Sox are probably a little bit better defensively than the Yankees are. I would say, at least their defensive, uh, uh, the other metrics are a little bit better, but that is legitimate, and Steve Stone, when we talked to him about this last hour, that's one of the things he says they need to do better, so hopefully they'll find a way to tighten things up here, because it is the kind of thing that can lose a game for you if it's a tight ball game. Your defense can cost you games if it's a tight game. If you're blowing people out, doesn't matter. Right? If, you're, if you're hitting a crazy amount of home runs, if you're scoring a crazy amount of runs, the defense eh, might hurt you for a run or two per game, but if you've padded your lead with a bunch of offense, it doesn't matter. But how often does that happen in the playoffs, where you're just scoring a crazy amount of runs? And this is not one of the best home run teams in baseball this year it's going to improve now that Robert and Eloy have been back and it has improved a little bit, but statistically speaking over the course of the year has not been a great home run power team in 2021. They, they had a couple of major injuries for most of the season, but that's where they were. Um, so th- there's still not a, the kind of thing that is good enough to overcome playing bad defense. So that, to me, is a legitimate concern. If there's something that you're looking at with this team that you feel like needs to be better as we get closer to the playoffs, aside from the health, uh, it's the defense. They have got to get better in that regard. Have to. Because one thing you can do is go back and look. And, And one sticks out to me like a sore thumb. 2006 World Series, remember how good the Tigers were that year? That was a team that could rake. That team mashed. And I, I know Sox fans, thinking back on the Detroit Tigers and Minnesota Twins that season, you know, you're, you're, you're probably, you know, your, your skin starts to crawl thinking about those two teams. Look what the Tigers did in the World Series. They threw the ball around the field like they had just learned what a baseball mitt was. It was horrific, their defense. They gave games away in that World Series. And one of the huge reasons they lost in 06 to St. Louis. If they don't do that, they probably win that World Series. So if you want to be concerned about something, you can be concerned about the defense and hope they tighten things up as we get toward the end of the year. I would love for them to do that. Producing the show today, Brandon Fryer back in the studio. We appreciate all of his hard work today. We ain't we ain't done yet. We got a lot to go here. Got over an hour to go before we get to the Cubs pregame show. Zach Zaidman will have that for you. Pat and Ron have the call as the Cubs will finish up their series against the Kansas City Royals this afternoon. And hopefully the weather won't. Piss off Mike Matheny. Hopefully not this time. We'll talk about that next. I'm Chris Ranji on the score. The 2-2. Fastball just
3: inside.
2: And this time, Thompson and
3: visibly upset. Jerry Meal's not real happy, and he went, took his mask off. Mm-hmm. Now David Ross is going to come out, and Jerry says, don't come out. Don't come out. I have to throw you out of the game. So David is going to say, I'm not talking about That last pitch, I'm not arguing balls and strikes. David's saying, you know, you don't need to do that in the first inning to my young pitcher. That's what he's saying. I didn't see, uh, yeah, I I think Jerry had said he had, uh, I guess, a close pitch. Had You know, Keegan may have made a gesture or said something. I don't know. I just saw him yell at my pitcher, so I went out there to see what was going on.
2: Oh, I love a good ump show. Who doesn't love a good ump show? <laughs> Just a, put you, Keep your mask on. You're an umpire. You don't, nobody wants to see your face. Keep it on, dude. Yeah, so it was a, a banner day for uh, umpires yesterday. It, it wasn't that the game was decided by umpiring. That's not really what happened. But there was a moment in the game. Well, I guess it's a little bit more than a moment, isn't it? When a dude is throwing a no-hitter, it's an exciting time for that pitcher and that team. You know, the no-hitter alerts go out, and if, if you have the MLB app, maybe you have your phone set up for notifications when something big is happening around the league. You know, you may not be a Royals fan or whatever, but... You might get that notification. Chris Bubic has a no-hitter through six. And that prompts you to go and, oh, I better watch this. I better watch the end of this game. This is going to be great. Well, yesterday, Bubich is throwing this no-hitter. As I mentioned, he gets through six innings. And then the weather decides to not cooperate. Now, we're not talking about a downpour or anything. But... If you're sitting in certain parts of Wrigley Field, you may not see that there is some bad weather coming your way because it's behind you. It's not in your field of vision. And there was a lot of lightning. So the umpires stopped the game yesterday for 34 minutes, which has to be just a a real bummer of a way to lose a no-hitter. Because when you ask a pitcher to sit for a half hour before getting uh, before being able to get back out there and pitch and actually it would have been longer than a half hour um because the because of of where the game was at the moment so you're asking a pitcher to sit for that long but he's got this no-hitter he's at 81 pitches he wants to go back out there he wants to try and finish up the game and finish up the no-hitter but asking a starter for sit for that long and then try to get loose again and get back out there, you're, you're going to lose a lot of sharpness. You're, you're going to be thrown out of your rhythm. And that's what happened to Chris Bubich, a good young starter, yesterday. He's, he is, I think he's going to be really good. And yesterday, he was having the start of his career. And then the game stopped. And manager of the Kansas City Royals, Mike Matheny, did not like that.
3: That's just a shame that uh, he wasn't able to keep rolling there. I've never seen anything like that. And it's an, it's an embarrassment. I think to the game to have something as special going on as what we were witnessing right there. Um, without, uh, you pull us off that field that that rain better hit us or, or something better happened worse than what happened. And, uh, I feel for the kid, not too many people in a lifetime have an opportunity to take a run like he just did. And, um, I hope uh, there's some sort of follow up because, uh, that that just, just can't happen like that. Mike, did they um did they give you an explanation in terms of just like was it the lightning that really was more of the issue there or what, what did they say? Yeah, apparently there is some rule that they've had in place here, but that rule needs to be changed. And uh I'm I'm just just gonna be honest, you know, I'd love to see what was happening if they had a no-hitter and we get a some sort of lightning in uh, some distant future spot that they're going to pull that club off the team and put at risk. somebody, somebody doing something that just doesn't happen very often in a lifetime. So, um, it is what it is, uh, but it needs to be fixed because it's, uh, it's
2: wrong. So let me get this straight. Um, Mike Matheny is saying that the Cubs forced the umpires to stop the game. So they didn't get no hit yesterday. Am I getting that right? Is that I, because I, it doesn't, I have to think about this, it doesn't sound right. I don't think the Cubs can force them to do anything. Here's what they can do. They can say, here's the weather situation. Here's what's going on. Um, you make the call. The Cubs don't pull players off the field. The Cubs don't tell the umpires to stop play. They don't have that authority. They can have the authority um, uh, when it comes to rainouts. if they're in the middle of a rain delay, I, they're, they can have something to do with that. But that's not what was going on yesterday. They, can't, they don't have the authority to halt play. So I believe Mike is a little misguided. I understand being upset because that was a cool moment for a young kid, and he was on the verge of doing something. I think it just it just sucks. It just absolutely sucks for him that that's how it had to play out. There can't be a whole lot of other worse ways to lose a no hitter. Are there? It's one thing if a a guy gets a hit off you. It's one guy. It's one thing if a guy on the field gets a bunt base hit, you know, which does irritate a lot of pitchers. I know like the Ben Davis situation, remember that, where he broke up a no-hitter, I believe it was in the eighth inning, with a bunt for a single, and it was a two-run game, so he's just trying to get on base to help his team win. That, to me, is okay. I know a lot of pitchers will get, well, get him out! Don't, I mean, get him, strike him out then. Don't let him bunt so easily off you, because it isn't actually that easy to do, especially not anymore. But there cannot be a worse way than something that is completely out of the control of the players on the field. That you have to stop the game because there's lightning in the area? Damn, that would suck. That would suck so bad. <laughs> Just, oh, I, and I feel bad for him, but I think Mike Matheny is totally wrong. There's not, look, they, the Cubs didn't make that happen yesterday. They didn't lie about lightning yeah, that's what happened. They went to the umpires and they said, uh, there's lightning in the area, but there wasn't any. Yeah, no, that didn't happen. The one thing I did think was kind of odd was that they cleared the seats in in the bowl, but they allowed the players to continue playing. I thought that was kind of odd. I don't know if I've seen that before. Has anybody ever, have any of you ever been at a ball game and there's a lightning threat And so they tell you to get out of your seats and go seek shelter, but then they let the teams keep playing. That I've never seen. And I think what they're doing, the Cubs are controlling the thing they can control, and that is the safety of the fans. So they're telling them to get out of the way and go go somewhere and seek shelter. But you can't make the umpires stop play. So if Mike Matheny wants any sort of indication that what happened on the field was not some kind of nefarious plot against his team there's your indication right there because the cubs can't control whether or not the game stops but they can ask people to get up out of their seats and leave so that's what happened yesterday i just thought it was amusing and, and i do know that you're sticking up for your player you want to defend him but yeah, let's let's not get crazy here mike that's not what was going on hey congratulations to nicky lopez of the Kansas City Royals in town for this series. He proposed to his girlfriend downtown. He proposed to his girlfriend uh, in Chicago. He decided, this is the place I'm going to do it. I'm not doing it in Kansas City. I'm going to do it here in Chicago. And they went over to Olive Park, which is right there off of Ohio. I think it's Ohio. Yeah, it's Ohio. Right there where the Lake Point Tower is, that area. And he proposed. It was a scenic. It was cute. He tweeted out the photos. If you're going to get engaged, uh, the moral of the story, the lesson here is don't do it in Kansas City. Go to Chicago and, uh, you know, do it by the lake with the buildings in the background. That's how you get engaged. Of course, ask me how you're supposed to do it because I've never been engaged. And I know, I totally know the right way to get engaged. It's in Chicago. That's where you do it. The city is gorgeous. Kansas City, they got barbecue. And I don't think you're going to ask your girlfriend to marry you in front of a oil drum that you turned into a grill. You're not going to do that. But you will go to Chicago and stand by the lake and get it done there. I want you to hear from Chris Bryant. If you haven't already heard this, yeah, stick around for this. He had some comments uh, when talking to reporters the other day about his time with his new team in San Francisco. He's only been there for a short period of time, just a few weeks, but uh, he likes it. And you should hear this. I'm Chris Ranji, and for Spiegel on the
1: score. Deep left field. It is up. In his first game as a Giant, has hit a home run for the Giants' first run of the day. Bryant, the Giant.
2: Oh man, it's like he was named specifically so he could be a San Francisco Giant later in life. Just so John Miller can say that. Bryant, the Giant still kind of stings a bit doesn't it Uh, it's probably gonna sting for a while uh, especially if Bryant ends up staying with the San Francisco Giants for some time he is a free agent after this season as you well know and um, sounds like he likes being in San Francisco that by the way was uh, the Giants broadcasting in case you were wondering and Bryant, who has now been a member of the team for a few weeks, it's still difficult to kind of wrap your head around seeing him in that uniform, a different uniform, or Anthony Rizzo in a Yankees uniform. Just a very odd optic on both fronts, especially when those two players were so so important to what the team had accomplished leading up to... 2016 and then through the 2016 season and even up until now and, and just to watch them be somewhere else at any rate a couple of days ago so just this past week Bryant was asked about his time in san francisco so far and what he thinks of it and um well you'd here just listen
0: i know it's all super new to me too the, the whole being here and you know um playing with these guys, but it's just, they're just something that feels a little different about it. It feels right. I feel, um, you know, just really good people. They put their head down, they go to work, they're not flashy. And I kind of um, see myself as that type of player too. And I think that's kind of what the, the giants organization is all about. They want guys that are good people. They go, go to work, keep their head down, you know, we're, like I said, we're not flashy. We go out there and do the job and, and win and move on to the next one. And that's a good feeling.
2: Uh, what is that supposed to mean? Uh, Chris, how am I supposed to take that? How are the Cubs supposed to take that? Who is he talking about? Well, I think we kind of know who he's getting at, I think. Just a really weird way to put that. And I don't doubt that he's a put-your-head-down-and-play kind of guy, and he's not, you know, he doesn't pimp home runs and uh, whatever. He doesn't do that. You know, Javi Baez does. Wilson Contreras does. And I think that stuff is fun. I love it. Bryant is not that guy, and that's okay. Just a really odd thing to say. And I think he knows exactly what he's doing. He knows that's going to get a reaction. And I am curious to know deep down how his former teammates feel about that. And hey, you know what? That's his preference. Okay, he just he he likes the put-your-head-down-and-run type. And that's okay. A lot of people do like that. I, that's fine for me, too. But I like flashiness, too. I like when players have some personality. And Chris Bryant, let's be honest, great baseball player, MVP, Rookie of the Year, you know all the accolades, helped them win a World Series. Um, But he is kind of, I mean, uh, he's kind of a boring guy otherwise. Don't you think? And that's okay. That's just a different way to be. You don't have to be flashy, but I, I thought it was odd that he said it in such a way that he didn't like that stuff, that that bothered him. I That does surprise me about Bryant. I, I was a, a little taken aback, I think, like a lot of people were when he made those comments. Um... Okay, that's just what he likes. It's, it's the kind of thing he likes. But I think there is an indication there that if there was any sort of doubt that he would come back or any sort of feeling that there might be a relationship again between the two sides and they might get something done and he might return to Chicago, I don't know how long. I don't think it was likely before. But I think in hearing him say that, and maybe I'm trying to extrapolate from just a 40-second clip, and it's really impossible to do that because there's going to be a lot of nuance and a lot of things are going to change between now and the winter and and what he wants and what he desires. A lot of things will be different. But I think that you can probably read into it that uh, he seems more than comfortable not being in Chicago anymore. And maybe feels more at home elsewhere. And I don't necessarily read into anything him saying, uh, well, you know, they've got good people here. He's not saying the Cubs don't have good people. I think he's just saying, I am comfortable here. I thought it was an interesting way to put that. But, again, it's, I, and I, I the text line here is already telling me that that Javier Baez and Wilson Contreras should take offense to that, and that is exactly who he's talking about. Which maybe it is. It sure seems obvious. And I, I can see him now being asked about it by Cubs media at some point and him saying, Nod, why is everybody making a big deal about what I... He'll pull the Aaron Rodgers. That's what he's going to do. He's going to throw something out there like that And then when he's asked about it, he's going to say, why is everybody making a big deal out of this? Well, because you said it, and and of of course, we're going to ask you about it. You knew what you were doing. So I kind of get the sense maybe there's a little bit of, of that in him. But again, I don't think that you can, you cannot fault a player for just preferring to play that way. That's him. That's who he is. There's nothing inherently wrong with doing it the way he does it. Playing the game the way he does it. In fact, a lot of people prefer it. And he apparently is one of them. But there's also nothing wrong with being Wilson Contreras. And being Javier Baez. Or being a player who exhibits a ton of emotion when they play. Not everybody has to be Kyle Hendricks. Not everybody has to be Chris Bryant. I like the differences in personalities. I think it makes the game more interesting. And I think it makes it more watchable when you have a variety of people. If everybody was the same, if everybody was Javi. If everybody was Wilson. If everybody was Lance Lynn. If everybody was Liam Hendricks. I, I don't know that that would be fun. I like that there's some differences. This guy does it one way, that guy does it another. There's variety. Do you really like the same cereal every day? Maybe you don't eat cereal, but if you do, those variety packs were fire. Those were the best. You get a little box with a, with a, a, like a you know just not enough Fruit Loops, if you ask me. Should have been a whole lot more Fruit Loops in the little box. But one day you can have Fruit Loops, and the next day you can have Cocoa Puffs. When you're a kid, those variety packs are the best. Baseball is the best. Sports are the best when there's a variety pack. When you get the different tastes, the different personalities, the different looks. I like it. But I did think it was really interesting. It did sound to me like he was basically telling uh, everybody that he just didn't like the way some of his teammates, his former teammates, played. And I'm a little surprised by that. Just a little. The text line just loves to pile on Mike Matheny. And you're welcome to text the show uh, whenever you want to. Brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at RosenHyundai.com. 312-644-6767 is the phone number if you want to text or call like Steve in Peoria has done. Welcome to Hit and Run, Steve. Hey, Ron. Uh just
4: got a,
2: had a comment here. I think that uh, uh, Contreras and Javi can flip it right back at uh, Brian saying, hey, they wish that they had a guy that had more passion for the game playing it instead of treating it just as a job. Well, Steve, here here's what I would say to that, and I appreciate the phone call. I don't think that because he's not one of those personalities that he doesn't have passion for the game. Um, I don't know what's inside him i don't know what his his secret thoughts are i would imagine if you are playing this sport and you're doing it every day even though you're well compensated for it um i just don't think you get to this level unless you have a passion for it and there can be a time where that passion goes away in which case he'd probably just retire and i i don't think that because you don't show emotion it means you don't have passion i think you just it comes out in different ways and not everybody its as it's, in your face. You know, I don't think that's necessarily what that means. But what I also think is, he should not fault any of his teammates or former teammates if their passion does come out in that sort of way. That's not, I mean, why is that a bad thing? Why is it a bad thing that, that Hobby is like that. That he he gets fired up. There's nothing wrong. That Wilson Contreras gets fired up, that Lance Lynn gets fired up. There's nothing wrong with any of that. It's entertaining. And the reason for me it's entertaining more than anything is that's who those guys are. They're not putting on a show. They're not saying I'm gonna I'm gonna pimp this. Just to excite the people, like I, I think it's in them. You know, it just it comes out and I think it's involuntary. So when you see Liam Hendricks at the end of the game fist pumping after he struck a dude out to end the game, that's just that's all emotion coming out. It's not a show he's putting on. It just happens to be a good show, but I don't think he's doing it on purpose. And I love that. I love real human emotion. I love all of those guys and what they do. And you know what else I like? I like that Chris Bryant just puts his head down and runs. That's fine for me too. There's a place for all of it. And I I love that there's a, a real buffet of it in the sport now. And it's more and more accepted that we can have all these varying personalities. We were talking about the no-hitter or the almost no-hitter by Chris Bubich, uh, who had his no-hitter ruined by a lightning delay at Wrigley Field. He had gotten through six innings. He came back out for the seventh after a, a little bit more over a half-hour uh, delay. And then he gave up the walk and then the home run to Wisdom. So his no-hitter was over. And I said, is there a a worse way to lose a no-hitter than a lightning delay? And a texter to the Hyundai Text Zone uh, kindly points out that, yes, being struck by lightning would actually be a worse way to lose a no-hitter than to just be a victim of a lightning delay. Uh, That is correct. It would be way worse to be on the field... Pitching a no-hitter, and you get struck by lightning. That would be worse. You are correct. And it was almost a reality yesterday, because for some reason, when they cleared the lower bowl of fans, uh, the umpires just let the game go on. <laughs> still playing. Still still ten dudes on the field. Still going at it. Okay. I guess that's what we're doing. And we're not going to stop. I, and, my, and here's my stupid brain. In my head, I'm thinking, oh, is there like something about being on the field that makes you less susceptible to being struck by lightning? There has to be. No, that's not the case. Uh, They just didn't take them off the field. Okay, that's fine. Nobody got hurt. Hopefully nobody will get hurt in the future. And nobody will be throwing a no-hitter and be struck by lightning. That would be a real tragedy. We've got another, what, 45 minutes left to go in the show? And then we've got Cubs pregame. We've got uh, the Cubs and Royals at Wrigley Field this afternoon. Pat and Ron are going to have the call. Zach will have the pregame show coming up. I'm Chris Ranji. More hit and run next on The Score.
1: Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports.
4: clock at four.